Hey there all you cool cats and kittens and welcome back to another episode of Best in Sass, where each week we take you behind the scenes for conversations with some of Silicon Valley's best and brightest operators and investors. Crack a beer, get comfortable, and join us on our quest to find the patterns and playbooks that accelerate the sprint to 10 million of that good stuff, that repeatable stuff, that stuff we call ARR. So today, I am thrilled to have Justin Gray on the show. Uh, rather than rattling off his bio because it would take me too long, a couple of fun facts. So through his consultancy, LeadMD, Justin has implemented and his team have implemented more than half of Marketo's entire user base, which is wild. Um, and he also owns a farm with his father. It's over 130 acres organic hemp farm. Totally wild as well. Um, and he's an LP in a number of funds. So really happy to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks, Justin, man. welcome. Appreciate it. Yeah, totally. So, all right. Uh, your, your agency or consultancy, you work with, uh, I mean, some of the largest names out there in B2B. Um, you're, normally you're talking about really large revenue numbers that you're driving. Uh, but today, you know, our audience is really interested in, the sprints from one to 10 and 10 to 20, sure. uh, which of those would you, I mean, you've done so many, so many growth strategies and, and just rolled out playbooks. Well, where, where do you want to, where do you want to focus? Yeah, let's do, let's do 10 to 20. I think there's uh, getting to 10 is really hard, but uh, I think the next 10 is, is even harder. What do you think? What, so what is it about the next 10 that makes it harder? Uh, typically, I mean, and, and people talk about this all the time, right? But it, it really is true in terms of, the same folks that are going to get you to that that ten mark are not the same folks that are going to take you beyond that. Um, and I think you know twenty, although it's kind of a, a near term benchmark when you think about organizations normally scaling from ten to a hundred, right? Um, that's the period of time where you've got to get all those folks in place. So the the people aspect is is always super interesting to me. Okay, so so before we go into the actual kind of playbooks and strategies, I'm curious. You know, how did you get to where you are today? Right, like it's uh, it, it must be a journey. The, the the best answer by accident. So I was we were talking a little bit before the show, like the marketing automation space and, and martech space really kind of started booming right as I was exiting. You know, my first startup uh, experience, uh, which was in uh, the payment space. So I had you know cashed in some equity there and was thinking about what I wanted to do next and uh, had grand visions of, of taking some time off. And a couple of folks reached out and said, hey, can you help us uh, build what you built over at an organization was called Billingtree, um, which was really implementing uh, what I would call now a repeatable revenue engine. So uh, marketing automation, CRM, and then you know uh, additional tech stack, but also the, the, the processes, the strategy to really drive that that repeatable execution. And, and so I did a couple of those engagements uh, just as an independent consultant. I had no idea what to charge. I had no idea how to build a scope. Um, and before you knew it, I had taken on a number of employees. We had to take office space. And that was you know over 10 years ago now at this point. And so the, how, how I entered the space was much different than uh, my day-to-day -day now, which is you know highly intentional. But really, the, the first year, and we did over a million uh, in revenue our first year, uh, but was just kind of a complete accident. And, and I think as a result of that big technology boom. 
Interesting. Okay. And then uh, help me connect the dots. So the organic farm, uh, <laughs> we're yeah. not coming to play. Yeah. Um, so my family, I'm from Arizona, like born and raised, and there's like five of us that can claim that. But uh, my family's from the Midwest in uh, Illinois and Missouri. And my grandfather uh, on my mom's side had farming land and was a farmer, you know, for 80 plus years. Um, and so they, you know, he gives all his kids a, a chunk of land and so on. So my parents had this land back there. They really weren't doing anything with. And when 08 hit, uh, my father has a custom home build business and he just said, Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to follow this around and kind of wait for it to come back. And so we made the decision, uh, let's transform that land in, into organic land. And hemp actually was always our ultimate goal. Uh, but really, that, that this is our first crop year around hemp just because of the farm bill and everything. So we've waited, you know, almost a decade over there to get to a point where uh, growing hemp and we're growing specifically for CBD slash CBG, which is a, a even newer cannabinoid. Um, so this will be our first year actually growing that, cop, that crop, but we've grown organic field crops and um, uh, leafy greens and, and vegetables on that, on that land now for, again, o- o- over 10 years. I love the combination of the two because, you know, marketing can be so uh, in the sky, right? And not necessarily very tangible all the time. And you're making these, you know, bets that sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't. And uh, it's, it's, it's digital. But so to be able to then go and touch some soil and, and grow sure, a thing, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. If you're not frustrated enough starting, uh, you know, uh, operating with startups and, and starting businesses, uh, farming is... <laughs> Far worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so now we'll back over to back over to the tech side. So you 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 know you built this thing up really quickly, like you said, almost unintentionally, um, and and now you're serving you know, Fortune 500s. Is that that's an accurate statement? Yeah, we've got one of the Fortune 10. Wow. Okay. Very cool. So so the 10 to 20 sprint. We were talking about what makes it different. You need different people. Um, what are the playbooks that, you know, when you, when you approach that portion of the sprint, you need to start thinking about? Yeah. And, and like everything, right? Like when I started this business, we, you know, obviously we partnered with Marketo very early on, but we used Marketo. We used Salesforce. We had tools like DocuSign and we had automated, you know, much of the business. And I think that that lesson and the lessons that take you from 10 to 20 also apply to you know newer startups. We we hear the the moniker all the time. Like I I, I just need something you know whether it's uh, a go to market strategy or whether it's a technology or whether it's people. I just need something for this stage of growth. And although I think there's certain things that are viable to that, building a business like you intend to have it in you know or or, or you you have an intentional goal in mind. And normally that's not to sell in the first year. Um, so growing a business for scale and for growth and longevity, um, those lessons really can be filtered, you know, uh, 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 disseminated down into very early stage companies. But by the $10 million mark, like you have to be dialed in on who your customer is, how you serve them and the value that you provide and get really good at managing those relationships. Um, and I think that's an area that we've certainly had to mature around. I, I, you know, when you start an accidental business and you have context from SaaS startup, um, you do what you know. And, and I think certainly even in this business, I've learned the agency world, I've learned the professional services world. And 
you know, we, we, we do have a high customer count. And although the way that we service those customers now is completely different than, than the way that we service them early on, because we were thinking about them kind of in this very stereotypical, um, acquisition mode. And, you know, like we do a lot of first projects. We rarely had second projects. We were uh, fairly decent at keeping retainer clients, but we really weren't maximizing. Uh, that customer footprint and the, and the customer relationship. We were serving a very specific need, which was often marketing automation implementation. Um, so, you know, by the time you really start to squeeze every juice out of every dollar, you realize that that's rooted in something that's not financial whatsoever. And that's building super strong, uh, threaded across the organization relationships with, with, with your customers and really ensuring that everyone knows exactly like who are we serving there? What are we doing for them? What is their business goal that we're going to enable? And that should be the North Star of everything that, that, that you know, is, is coming out of that. It should be the North Star of, um, you know, things like NPS. It should be the North Star of how did we perform last year? It's not just about revenue. It's about what are those goals that we're driving for those clients? And when, you know, this was just such an exclamation point was put on this during COVID because the organizations that couldn't explicitly answer that question, like, what are we, why do these guys need us? Why are we mission critical? Uh, were the, 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 the orgs that were absolutely cut in the first 30 days, you know, they were, they were extra spend, not critical. Uh, so knowing the customer is, I think the, one of the biggest uh, uh, focal points that has to be really brought into the focus of the entire organization by that, by that $10 million mark. Got it. So, so it's, it's about being system wide. It's about being thorough with understanding your customer. What are some of, what are some of the stumblings that you, you commonly have see, right? When people aren't getting it right, or what are, what are the things that people should be on the lookout to avoid? Yeah. I think, you know, from a, from a SaaS standpoint, and this is my big gripe with the typical go to market strategy within SaaS, which is, you know, sales, it, it, so marketing and sales are primarily uh, focused on acquisition. A lot of people base their partner models on this as well. In fact, it's, it's predominant. Um, but very few organizations keep that, those, those sellers, the marketing team engaged throughout the entire life cycle of that, that customer. And those folks are really the steward of why that individual bought, right? And so how do you unplug that? And then this is really the crux, like, Start applying metrics that make sense for your business, like usage, like number of users, like database size, you know, just, just these really superficial uh, uh, customer health metrics that mean nothing to the client. And we see that so often. In fact, like most people's quote unquote, you know, QBR process, I'm air quoting uh, when I say that, uh, looks more like uh, uh, a migration strategy. Like this is what you've got built in our our system. This is how many people are using them. These are the types of campaigns. Like what what are those yielding in terms of business value? So I think one of the biggest mistakes there is is maintaining two sets of metrics: the metric you care about and the metric the client actually cares about. And thinking that your metric is in any way predictive of renewal, of churn rates, of of, of client health, um, it's just it's crazy how predominant that is. It's interesting. So some of this sounds similar. It rings a bell uh, conversation. Someone you also know very well, Mark Roberge, mm-hmm. um, and, and his kind of paradigm or new paradigm for product market fit and understanding product market fit uh, instead of thinking about it as you know 
you hit certain revenue bands and you just throttle salespeople in there right. looking at retention metrics and, and, and pieces of, you know, ha- like w- ways that you're actually measuring the impact on their organization mm-hmm. to better, to define product market fit, which I think is such a, a much better way than the traditional, the traditional model. Yeah. So it sounds I, like how often do you look within a CRM system and see on that customer record what their primary goal for your, you know, in general, what's the objective of their organization for this quarter this year? And how are you contributing to the achievement of that metric? Like that, that's something that no one houses. Uh, yet you'll see so many, you know, we've come up with a lot of these different tools to, to, you know, quote unquote, make client health scalable. And, and really all we're doing is, is measuring really superficial things like utilization, right? So I can use the hell out of something. It's kind of the old, the old marketing paradigm. Like we gathered so many leads via this campaign, but did any of them actually translate into a customer relationship? How, how uh, well did that customer fit the ideal customer profile? And how, and how are we growing and, and leveraging that relationship? Those are, those are things that are much deeper. They require a lot more effort to both manage and maintain uh, and and frankly, what it what is what what's harder is what's better as it pertains to that that element. So, I mean, this this all sounds great and super important, but how do you then begin? Like, what are the systems that you put in place on a more tactical level to back into having that as a cultural uh, way that you know the way that the company actually operates and, and embedding that into the DNA? Like, what are the, what are those tactical steps that a company should think to take? Yeah, well, I, th- I think first and foremost, and it- it's so critical that you do this with um, a-, a lens without bias as well, which is defining truly your ideal customer profile, uh, the-, 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 the different types of buyers within that, the-, the-, the way they make decisions, the things that they care about, and really leveraging, you know, again, insight. If you can work with a third party to, to you know, uh, uh, ask those folks some really difficult questions that they probably aren't going to answer or answer fully truthfully if, if you're asking them um, or, you know, implying some aspect of, of data science there and so on like that, that, that it's critical that you use that as your starting point And you realize that's going to change over time. You're going to have to continually measure against that and ask the client how you're doing, how critical are you? Do they feel like you're, you're committed to their success? Um, all of that kind of complementary stuff to really traditional tools like NPS that we use. Um, and then, Getting back to kind of my earlier statement, like how are you going to organize uh, your organization and your go-to-market motions to steward the understanding of that goal through the the first very initial touch all the way through that that customer lifecycle? And so it can get really tactical just in terms of like, how do we capture that within a CRM? How do we measure against that uh, over time? You know, when maybe that's a a quarterly check-in or, or a QBR, or maybe it's, you know, even more frequent depending upon how you're engaged with that, that customer. But you have to be proactive about measuring against that benchmark. And, and, and again, that honesty will provide a great window into, wow, we we're not achieving for this client whatsoever. Like that, that's an actual, that's a churn risk. How do we get in front of that? And what are those motions to just invest within that client along the way? Um, I'll give you an example through the lens of our business, right? So, if we see a client to where 
you know, maybe we were brought on to do something that's a bit more tactical, like optimize systems or, or you know, architect systems and ensure data is flowing so they can get metrics. But then we, we also see that, hey, those metrics aren't looking very good, right? We may take something like a, a, a go-to-market uh, workshop and just implement that proactively, like at, at no cost, because we see that what they've hired us to do is, is get, gain that visibility. But what we're seeing is, is, is not very good. Maybe we've got, also got the insight because of our proximity to understand where they're underperforming. And we haven't proven our value in that area yet, but I think we can lead with kind of a hyper value offer like that. And through that, also understand, okay, what were you really trying to achieve? What were you hoping these, these, these met- metrics would show? Now we record that. Now we've got something to, to, to measure against. We actually have that in our CRM, uh, which is Salesforce, uh, called uh, Outcomes. It's a, it's a custom object called Outcomes. So what are they trying to, to achieve? Where are they at right now? What are we trying to, how are we trying to, to move the needle via our engagement? And then after the project is complete, we'll actually look back and say, what did we actually drive there? And that, that's a huge predictor of whether we're going to you know, continue on in that relationship or we're going to enter new areas of the business. So um, I, you know, across the board there, I'd say the summary is, is visibility. I love it. So Justin, you've, you've obviously had an incredible career so far, and it seems like you're only continuing to gain, gain momentum. Um, who are some of the folks in your life who have either been mentors or inspiration to you professionally that have, that have helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just preface it with the, the age old and, and kind of stock answer of like, my parents definitely set a, a work ethic and just, you know, because they were entrepreneurs, they, they, they own their own business and so on. Like I, I, I do a podcast as well called Catalyst and I always try and get to the bottom of like what creates mentalities. Um, and I think for, for me, that was certainly the, uh, a creation point there. Just knowing that not only was hard work going to be important for me, but I wanted to be a contributor throughout whatever you know the life cycle of the business uh, is. And I'm very, very, very hands-on uh, in, in businesses for, you know, and that could be a, a bad element as well. But I, I think that's a good starting point. Um, I do advocate for, for mentorship in a big way. Um, there's a dude named Craig Rosenberg and most people in, um, in B2B will probably know his name. They, they run a, a consultancy called Topo. Um, it's just been an awesome influence on me. I think predominantly uh, from a um, uh, kind of a, an approach and a composure standpoint and just like really, I, I, I describe him as Columbo all the time because it's like, you know, for the first, you may show up with a shirt untucked. He's going to go around all these. It's like, where's this guy going in this conversation? And then like at the end, it's like, aha, um, it is just like this, this moment of, of brilliance. So um, I, I've always termed Craig as my mentor and, and someone that I always reach out to when, uh, when I'm struggling with something or, or just want a different um, uh, point of view around. Totally. I remember grabbing a, a drink with Craig back in, it's like, <laughs> that's awesome. 20, yeah. Like 2013, I want to say, or 2014, I was running a contract lifecycle management uh, startup. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember him taking the time, you know, he'd already had a, had a pretty big following at that point. And we were, we were like seed stage company, just still trying to figure it out. And he took a bunch of time out of his day to just sit down, shoot the shit, get to know what we were working on and then give us his, 
his perspective. And yeah, super solid guy. Really humble dude. And also just a a really realistic take on things as well, right? Like there's so much BS and so much overhype in terms of what people are doing. I think he and his, uh, his partner in that business, Scott, have a great ability just to like distill things down into really simple and, you know, just really practical terms. Yeah, it was so cool to see their uh, their big outcome this past year. So yeah, absolutely. Well, Justin, thank you so much for sharing all these insights with uh, with the audience. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. It's been fun. Yeah, appreciate you have, uh, having me. I hope that was uh, helpful. Totally. Mm-hmm.